Good evening. Welcome to Northside Baptist Church, Elkhart, Indiana. And you know, it, it's a real blessing to see friends and family here tonight. And uh, the message I'm going to preach on tonight is called Truth. In this world today, you hear all these buzzwords on the television, the radio, uh, hot topics, and you wonder what the truth is. And some of these hot topics that I hear, COVID-19, vaccines, ivermectin, new normal, woke, transgender, gun control, climate change, abortion, Russia versus Ukraine, China, Israel versus Iran, green energy, immigration, socialism, child trafficking, and the list goes on. And where do you go for the truth? Do you listen to MSNBC? Do you listen to CNN? Do you listen to Fox? Do you listen to Twitter? Do you listen to Facebook? Do you listen to face, uh, uh, YouTube, your phone, podcasts? Where do you go? In this world today, it seems like the news stations you listen to seem to be biased. Each reporter has his own twist on things for their own agendas, it seems like. And if you look it up in the dictionary, the word truth means fact, something that's correct, no doubt about it, something you can rely on, something you can bank on, something you can bet your life on. How many of you would bet your life on the news as being fact today? Probably very few of you. And here's some things that people used to think were fact. And there's six of them here I'm going to share with you. People used to say a bull hates the color red. Well, hate to inform you, but a bull is colorblind. So when that matador is waving that red flag, it has nothing to do with the color red. He's just getting a getting the bull all upset from gestures he's making. Number two, you lose 95% of your body heat through your head. And in my case, some people might believe that that's what I lose. But the fact is, you lose more body heat through exposed arms and legs than you do through your head, even when you're bald. Number three, we only use 10% of our brain. And now you're going to say, well, I know a few people I wonder. <laughs> but the fact is we use all of our brain within a 24-hour period. Number four, in the 70s, scientists believed, these are the well-educated people of the world, believed there was a second ice age coming. Well... Now, they say it's global warming. Number five, they used to believe that the world was flat. The fact is, it is round. Number six, George Washington had wooden teeth. That's wrong. He had teeth made of gold, ivory, lead, and human teeth. Boy, isn't that yummy. Wouldn't you like to put that in your mouth? Okay, and how healthy would it be? So what you hear and what you think 
is not always the truth. So, where do you go for truth? Who do you listen to? As far as spiritual truth, there's only one place to go, one place to find it. That's God's Word, the Holy Bible. And it was written over 2,000 years ago, and it's more update than anything out there you could read. It even tells the future that's coming. You can't beat the Bible. There's an old saying I heard years ago. It says, find buried treasure. Read your Bible. It's priceless. Well, I'm going to say, if you bought a new car, it comes with an owner's manual. And in that owner's manual, it tells you all about that car. And because the people that made the car and designed the car wrote the manual, they're the experts on it. Well, right here is an owner's manual of a Subaru. Look at that baby. It's thicker than my Bible, and it's just for a Subaru car. And it tells you all about it. Tells when you should change your oil, what kind of oil. If you use the wrong oil, it could be too thin, too thick, and you can ruin your engine. And it has all sorts of gauges, warning lights. The warning lights are there to protect your car. If you're low on oil, light comes up. If you're low on water, if the, even the air pressure and the tires are low, it'll bring out warnings to protect you. And this owner's manual is there, if you follow it, it'll give you the longest life, the highest miles out of this car. Get the best bang for your buck if you follow the owner's manual. Well, here's our owner's manual, the Holy Bible. God designed us. God made us. This is our owner's manual. And it's there to help us, to avoid dangers. And it's there to get the best quality of life that we can have. My grandma would read her Bible every day. And she lived to be 108. She loved the Lord. She had quality of life. And I'll tell you, I never met a lady like that. She had abundant life. Do you have problems in life? The Word of God can help you. It can give you hope where you had no hope. It can give you encouragement when you had no encouragement. It can give you a purpose in life. The reason there's so many suicides in this country today, people have no purpose in life. Even the rich Hollywood famous people, they get everything the world says is happiness, and they commit suicide, drug overdoses, alcoholism. The Bible and Jesus Christ is what gives you purpose. It gives you guidance, gives you rest, gives you peace, gives you comfort, gives you joy. It gives you super, uh, uh, super, uh, spiritual security. When you die, you know where you're going. I'm secure. If I die today, no big deal. I'm in heaven where it's a lot better than this earth is getting to be this day and age. Society today wants to avoid the idea of absolute truths. 
absolute right, absolute wrong. They want to avoid the Bible. That's why courts today have trouble deciding what is wrong and what is right. Entertainment continues to push the envelope on immoral and indecent shows and movies. Schools are teaching the theory. Did you hear what I said? The theory of evolution, and they're teaching it in schools as facts. Leaving God out and leaving God's word out. Taking children away from God's word. Taking prayer out of schools, which transform our schools into war zones. Those who lead children from God are accountable someday before the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 18, verse 6 says this, Whosoever shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it's better that a millstone were put around his neck and drowned into the sea. You don't monkey with God's word. Right in the first verse in the Bible says, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, not evolution. There's a man named Matt Slick. He has a website called CARM. And uh, I'm going to read a few things from him. He says, The plague of no morals, no absolutes, no wrong, no right, is encouraging everyone to accept homosexuality, pornography, fornication, drug use, and another host of sins that once were considered wrong, but now being accepted and even promoted in society today. Read Romans chapter 1. That'll wake you up. Matt Slick goes on. It's becoming so pervasive that if you speak out against moral relativism, which means no wrong, no right philosophy, you are labeled intolerant, you're bigoted, you're a hater. But this is incredibly hypocritical because those that profess all views are true and equal reject the views of moral absolutes from the Bible. People that deny the Bible separate themselves from truth in God. And I'm going to read this story that can happen when there are no absolutes, no wrongs, no rights. A thief is casing a jewelry store so he can rob it. He has entered it to check out any visible alarm settings, locks, layouts, etc. In the process, he unexpectedly got involved with a discussion with the owner of the jewelry store whose hobby is the study of philosophy, and he believes that truth and morals are relative. There's no absolutes. So, says the owner, everything is relative. That is why I believe that all morals are not absolute. And that right and wrong is up to the individual to determine within the confines of society. And there is no absolute right and wrong. That is very interesting perspective, says the thief. I was brought up to believe there was a God and there was right and wrong. 
But I have abandoned all of those, and I agree with you that there is no absolute right or wrong, and we can, are free to do what we want to do. The thief leaves the store, returns that evening, and breaks in. He has disabled all the alarms and the locks in the process of robbing the store. That's when the owner of the store enters through a side gate. The thief pulls out a gun. The owner can't see the man's face because he's wearing a ski mask. He says, don't shoot me, says the owner. Please take whatever you want and leave me alone. That's exactly what I plan to do, says the thief. Wait a minute, I know you. You're the man that was in the store earlier today. I recognize your voice. That is very unfortunate for you, says the thief, because now you also know what I look like, and since I don't want to go to jail, I'm forced to kill you. You can't do that, says the owner. And he says, why not? Because it's not right, pleads the man desperately. But did you not tell me today that there are no right and wrong? Yes, but I have a family. Got, I got children. I got a wife. So I am sure that you are insured and that they will have a lot of money. But since there is no right and wrong, it makes no difference or not, I kill you. And if I let you live, you will turn me in and I'll go to prison. Sorry, but I can't take that chance. But it's a crime against society to kill me. It's wrong because society says so. As you can see, I don't recognize society's claim to impose morals on me. It's all relative, remember? Please don't shoot me. I beg you, I promise not to tell anyone what you look like. I swear it. I don't believe you and cannot take that chance. But it's true. I swear it. I'll tell no one. Sorry, but I cannot... That cannot be true because there is no absolute truth, no right, no wrong, remember? If I let you live and then I leave, you will break your so-called promise because your morals and your promises are relative. There is no way I can trust you. Our conversation this morning convinced me of that, but it's wrong to kill me. It's not right. It's neither right nor wrong for me to kill you. Since truth is relevant to the individual, if I kill you, that's my truth. And it's obviously true that if I let you live, I will go to prison. Sorry. No, please, please don't shoot me. I beg you, please don't shoot me. Begging makes no difference. Bang, it's over. That's what happens when there's no absolute truth. God wrote the Bible with absolute right, absolute wrong. He made the Ten Commandments, not the Ten Suggestions. You know, even when you drive your car, there's rules. If there were no rules, you just go, I want to go 80 mile an hour. I want to turn left when I want to turn left. I'll go through a red light when I want to go through the red light. 
It'd be chaos. God made our lives with rules for a reason, to protect us. We'll talk a little more about the theory of evolution. The theory of evolution denies the truth of the Bible that God made us and that we have purpose, that we have value, and that we have a soul. Evolution tells us that there is no God. We are just biological tissue, chemicals, cells, no different than animals. We're made by chance with no purpose. We live and we just die. The man that got evolution popular was Charles Darwin. He, he wrote a book in 1859. And the title of the book, from what most people know, it's called The Origin of Species. Well, there's more to that title, and there's a good reason they don't tell you the whole title. Here's the whole title. The Origins of Species by Means of Natural Selection or preservation of favored races in the struggle for life. And they're teaching this in school. Favored races, some evolved more than others. Which race is better? Isn't that bigoted? Isn't that racist? There's two major dangers with evolution. Number one reason is based on a lie. It says we just came from nothing. The uh, theory is that uh, it kept raining on the rocks and over millions, billions, whatever years you want to put into it, finally it made a soup, primordial soup. And through that soup, things just started wiggling, squirming, and here I am. You know, that just doesn't sound too good, does it? You know, this thing right here, this cell phone, I found it on the beach. And it took hundreds of years of evolution to make this. You don't believe that? What if I add thousands of years to make this? What if I add millions of years to make this? What if I add trillions of years to make this phone? You wouldn't believe me, would you? But people believe this whole body came by accident. It's a lot more complicated than that cell phone. And you know, it runs all on organic things, this body of ours. I can walk to Florida and back by just eating organic food. So, you know, how can you believe in evolution? It removes God from the equation. And another danger of evolution. Evolution is the foundation philosophy for humanism, racism, Nazism, communism, socialism, and a new world order. If evolution is true, who makes the rules for society? You know who makes the rules? Whoever happens to be in power at the time. People like Hitler, people like ISIS, Charles Marx, Stalin, Idi Amin, Pol Pot, those type of people can be your leaders when there is no God involved. And we are blessed. We're living in the best nation in the world because it was founded on this book, the Bible. That's why we are blessed. 
And the sad part is, it seems like slowly but surely, we're losing our faith in God's word and turning more towards socialism, leaving God out. Hitler and Mussolini both believed in evolution. Hitler believed that the German race was superior. Mussolini believed the Italians were the superior race. Hitler wrote a book in 1923 called Mein Kampf, full of evolutionary philosophies. Hitler said that some races evolved more than other races. The number one best race that he said there was was a pure Aryan race, blonde-haired, blue eyes. Number two on his list were the Germans, brown-haired, blue eyes. They're predominantly Aryan, which he was. And then the bottom of the barrel that he thought was, was the Jewish race. They were closest to pure ape. They were subhuman. And that's why Hitler killed six million Jews. It's because of his evolutionary thinking, his philosophies. He treated the Jews like animals. Hitler also hated black people. In 1936, the Olympics in Berlin, Jesse Owens won the most gold medals, and Hitler walked out. There was a Jewish Holocaust survivor that said, there is a difference between those who look upon their fellow human as being created by God and those who look upon them as just a mass of tissue, biological chemicals, no purpose, just an animal. Hitler was very evil. He treated the Jews like animals and did experiments on them that I won't even mention. They're so cruel. Whoever's in power makes their rules. He made the rules and leaving God out. Here's how Hitler got in power. He started indoctrinating the youth into Nazism right in schools, leaving God out. Hitler said, I regard Christianity as the most fatal, seductive lie that ever existed. He hated Christianity. Bibles and communism does not mix. Hitler said, if you tell a lie long enough, loud enough, often enough, people will believe it. He also said, let me control the textbooks, and I will control the state. Charles Darwin's book was also translated before World War II in Japanese. And the Japanese were very in intrigued by this book. They studied it. And you know who they, after they studied who they decided who the super race was? The Japanese decided the Japanese were the super race. And their theory was that through their studies, they found out the Japanese people had less body hair and less body odor. They were less like apes than other races. That's why in World War II, the Japanese treated Americans and British prisoners horrible, inferior species. It's best to eliminate them. 
You can look up the Baton Death March in World War II, how they treated our people. Communist founder Karl Marx based his philosophy of communism on evolution. He said, Charles Darwin's book was very important to me. My, he says, my objective in life is to dethrone God and destroy capitalism. He wrote a book called The Communist Manifesto, and he admired Charles Darwin. Karl Marx got married. He had six children. Three died of starvation in infancy. Two of his children committed suicide when Charles Mark, Karl Marx died in 1883. Only six people attended his funeral. And here's some rules on how to take over a, a country. See if this sounds familiar to you today. Number one, corrupt the youth. Get them away from religion and the Bible. Number two, Break down the old moral virtues. Number three, encourage civil disorder. Number four, divide people in hostile groups like race, religion, class, etc. Get people's mind off the government. Have them focus on sports and sex. Get control of the news media. Put on the news what you want people to hear. Number seven, destroy people's faith in their leaders. Number eight, cause the res registration of all firearms and eventually confiscate all firearms. Every dictator tries to enforce this gun control. Hitler was an expert at it. Hitler killed six million Jews. People will ask, well, why would anybody want an AR-15? Ask six million Jews where they would have liked to have an AR-15. They were helpless. They were herded into boxcars, treated like animals. They were tortured and later killed. Soviet dictator Joseph Stalin, at a young age, he read Darwin's book, and became an atheist that changed his life forever. Stalin is reported to have killed between 60 and 100 million of his own people. What you believe determines how you behave and how you treat people. If you believe there is no God, no rules, no right, no wrong, you will live differently than if you know there is a God and you will be accountable to him someday. And God made one race, the human race. It looks like our country keeps getting worse. Deeper and deeper in sin, that cancer of sin. The answer for the cancer. Help see it. In our country today, it's Jesus Christ. He's the only hope for this cancer. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 7, 14, 
if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. Oh, how we need that today. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3, chapter 16, that all scripture is inspired by God. What happens when there's no absolutes? Here's what happens. 2 Timothy, chapter 3, talks about this. Know this also, in the last days, perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedience to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce bracers, false accusers, fierce, despisers of those that are good. Does that sound what's happening today? Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power of. And verse 7 says, ever learning, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. Ever learning. Always pulling out this phone. Ever learning, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth, the word of God. And it also says, and all that live godly in Christ shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse and deceive many, and many will be deceived. Sounds like today. Second Peter 2, verse 2. Many shall follow their evil ways, and by that reason... The way of truth shall be even evil spoken of. When you stand for what's right, a lot of times you're evil spoken of. Here's what Jesus says in John chapter 15, verse 18 on. This is for the Christians. This is for us. If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I say unto you. The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. That's what Jesus says. The Bible also says in John chapter 8, verse 32, know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. God's word. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Romans 6, 23 says this, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5.8 says this, For while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
and John 3, 16 through 18. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but through him the world may be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not, he that believeth not is condemned already. Condemned already. I'm going to close with this story. I've preached it to jail for over 30 years. Talked to a lot of people in jail. And here's the number one question that they ask me. Gary, every time I come to jail, I say I'm never coming back. I'm never coming back to this jail. But I end up coming back. I go in and out of jail. What can I do? What can I do that I'll never come back to this jail? And I tell them this story because it has a lot of wisdom in it. It's a story about an old missionary. Back in the cowboy and Indian days, before cars, this old missionary had a heart for the Indian people. And he'd ride his horse from Indian village to Indian village telling the Indian people about Jesus. And one day he's talking to the Indian chief. An Indian chief accepts Jesus Christ as his Lord and his Savior. Well, the old missionary stays a few more days, and he moves on, hitting other villages. About three months later, he comes back, and he's sitting by the fire with the old Indian chief, chatting. And he asks the Indian chief, how is it being a Christian now? And the Indian chief says, you know, it's, it's great. He said, the load of sin I always carried around for years, it's gone. It's gone. I have that peace that passes all understanding. And he says, you know, I used to be afraid of dying. I'm not afraid anymore. I'm ready to go if need be. But he says, there's two cats inside of me, and they fight from the time I get up in the morning till the time I go to bed. And the missionary says, what are you talking about, these two cats inside of you? He says, well, one cat represents the flesh, the old me, the things that always got me in trouble, and the other cat represents Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit living inside of me. And they said they fight from the time I get up in the morning till the time I go to bed. And the missionary says, well, which cat usually wins? And this is the wisdom of the whole story. The Indian chief says, the one I feed the most wins. So if you're feeding the flesh day after day and not the spirit, what's going to control your life? The flesh. It's going to say, hey, let's party. Let's do this. Let's do the things that always got us in trouble. But if you're feeding the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ living within you, if you're pumping up spiritually, it has more power than the flesh, and it can control the flesh. And every time the flesh 
rolls up its ugly head, you can slap it down with the Holy Spirit. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. That's what we need. And if you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, you know how many cats you have in your life? You have one to control your life. It's the flesh. Until you come to Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, you're on your way to hell, and there's no way you can outdo the devil. The devil goes around like a roaring lion seeking who he can devour. The Bible says, put on the full armor of God so you can withstand the fiery darts of Satan. Satan knows every one of our weak spots, and he can dangle that weak spot right in front of us, just like a pork chop in front of a puppy dog. He can lead us astray. So we need Jesus Christ. If you're here tonight and you're not for sure you're on your way to heaven, chances are you're on your way to hell. It may sound bold, but it's fact. I have scripture to back it up. 1 John 5.13 says, These things have I written unto you that believe in the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, that you may know. I know I'm going to heaven, not because I'm that good. I'm not good. My righteousness is but filthy rags. I know I'm going to heaven because I trusted Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior, and that's why I'm assured of going to heaven. Maybe the Lord's tugging on the door of your heart tonight here. Maybe you know that you need to get right with him. Revelations 3.20, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open that door, I will come into him. Maybe the Lord's tugging on your heart tonight. And we're going to give an altar call here in a couple minutes. And uh, if anybody wants to come forward, you can come forward. And I have these little booklets called knowing God personally, and I can share with you out of the word of God here in just a few minutes, you can leave here knowing that you're forgiven and you're on your way to heaven through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And uh, you may think, well, what will people think if I go forward? You know what Jesus said in Matthew 10, 32 and 10, 33? If you confess me before men... I will confess you before my Father which is in heaven. If you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father which is in heaven. Matthew chapter 11 verse 28 says, Jesus says, Come unto me all that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Do you need rest for your soul? Jesus Christ is there for you. Jesus fills the void we try to fill with earthly things. You know, there's a piece of a puzzle here that's a certain shape, and the only thing that fits in there is Jesus Christ. And we try to fill it with all these worldly things, and it doesn't fit. I was in Stowe, Vermont in September this year, we were walking on a walking bike trail 
outskirts of town. And the Lord put this young man together with me. His name was Shannon. And I started witnessing to him about Jesus Christ. And I, I told him there's that spot, that piece of the puzzle that only Jesus can fill. And he says, is the shape of that puzzle part the shape of a cross? I said, wow, that's pretty awesome. Yes, it's the shape of the cross. And that young man gave his heart to Christ right there that day. Such a blessing. Such a blessing. I'm going to close with just a few scriptures. Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. It says, choose you this day whom you will serve. Joshua says, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Here's a favorite verse, I believe, for the jail. Because there's a lot of guys in jail that done things, think they can never be forgiven. Listen to this verse. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If any man, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. How many? All things are become new. I'm going to leave you with this very last scripture. We've talked a lot of, about negative things. I want to leave on a high note. Revelations 21.4. This is a hope as a Christian. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things are all, all passed away, a new heaven and a new earth. Well, if the Lord's tugging on your heart, Michael, could you come forward? Michael's going to play Amazing Grace for us. And if the Lord's tugging on your heart, just come on up here and uh, I'll share all the word of God. I can know for sure you're on the way to heaven. As the song plays, if the Lord's tugging, you come forward.
you loved us so much, you died on that cross for each and every one of us. Help us all to be that light wherever we go, whatever we do, whatever we say. Let it glorify you and draw other people to you. Thank you, Lord, for this service. Let us all be filled with the Holy Spirit by getting in your word and being so filled that we overflow and all people see is that love, joy, peace, happiness, meekness, gentleness, and self-control in our lives. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed.